Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. My name is Alan Gigax, and today we're going to talk about the contract. There's a lot of speculation about what the union is negotiating for, what is going to be in the new contract, and that's what we're going to go over today. If you listen to the You Are the Current Resident podcast that's hosted by the National Level Union by Brian Renfro, he's been talking the last few episodes about the contract, which is always really cagey, and it's something that drives me nuts about this union, and I know it drives a lot of you guys nuts too, is how secretive the union is about what they're negotiating for and what we're asking for and stuff like that. And personally, I feel like the reason they won't tell us what they're asking for is because when they fail to get it, we won't know that they failed. They'll, you know, we get our 1.5% raise and they're like, yeah, we got our 1.5%. Good job for us. And we really have no point of comparison. So whenever this gets brought up on the NALC Facebook groups, people say, oh, well, the, uh, the union is absolutely upfront about exactly what they're negotiating for. And I'm like, dude, that they're not, they're cagey about it. Well, it turns out I'm wrong. Uh, there is a list of exactly what the union is negotiating for because it is, uh, decided by resolutions at the national convention. So I was directed to the uh, September-October 2022 episode of the Postal Record, and all of those resolutions are in there. So I'm going to tell you what they are, so that way you don't have to wonder anymore, hey, what is the union negotiating for? All right, so these are in that episode of the Postal Record, and uh, it says here uh, at the top of the article, National Agreement Resolutions. NALC will negotiate with the Postal Service in pursuit of of provisions that would. And there's all these bullet points. So the first one is establish an off assignment overtime desired list for regularly scheduled work days. So the idea here is that there are going to be more overtime lists and there will be an overtime list where you can work unlimited or you work overtime, but just on your day off, you work off assignment. And then We'll also have like the normal overtime desired list where you work off assignment and you'll work your days off. So there will be an additional type of overtime list. Next, expand Article 2 to prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation or identity. That seems pretty straightforward. I don't really know why the post office would be opposed to that, but you never know. Next, negotiate to address staffing issues and to streamline the hiring process. Dude, that'd be great. I talk to new hires and CCAs all the time, and uh, they're always, you know, oh, it took me three months to get in, and they told me I was hired, and then I had to wait two months. Even back when I got hired 18 years ago, I wound up waiting like four months before I finally was able to start at the Postal Service. So, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, we haven't solved staffing issues in the last 18 years that I'm aware of, so maybe we'll get it this time. I'm not going to hold my breath. Next. Until we achieve an all-career workforce, reduce the time a carrier spends in a non-career position to no more than 12 months of relative standing. And I have heard from my own local union that went to the RAP session that it looks like that's where it's going to be, is 12 months, that we're not going to be able to fully eliminate the CCA position. Uh, but negotiations are ongoing. Who knows? It looks like here that we're not even committed to getting rid of it. Just try to keep CCAs to no more than 12 months. Next, not require a carrier to work a holiday or designated holiday when leave is used in conjunction. 
honestly, I thought that was already the way it was, that if you have leave and then there's a holiday the next day or the day before that you don't have to work that holiday, but maybe that's in just in my local or I don't know, but that's good that we're going for that on a national level because you need to be able to plan those days off for like your vacations. Next, create an additional overtime list for carrier technicians who only desire overtime on the route that they are assigned that day. That seems like a good idea. You know, uh, T6, I've always thought it was one of the cool things about being a T6 that you can get overtime if you're on work assignment on any of your five days and you don't have to work that sixth day, but you can still get a good amount of overtime. But this would be like the equivalent of regular work assignment where you only work that particular route. So whatever, they'll ask for it. Next, increase annual leave by two weeks. Hell yeah, I'm in favor of that one. That'd be killer. Next, add grandchildren to the definition of family member for bereavement leave. Yeah, that'd be cool. Be nice to be able to go to your... uh, It would be awful. It would not be nice to go to your grandchild's funeral. It would be terrible. But it seems like the kind of thing the post office should allow. Next, add Juneteenth, National Independence Day, to Article 11. So we would have that additional holiday. Very hard for me to imagine the post office pushing back on that one, but it is another paid day off, so you never know. Next, issue a complete standard uniform package to properly equip new employees. Oh my God, we need this so badly. Having the uniform really helps you to look like a professional letter carrier, to look the part, to feel the part, and those uniforms are so freaking expensive that, uh, yeah, obviously this would be extremely helpful. Next, prohibit full-time city, full-time, start over, prohibit full-time regular city carriers whose bid assignment does not include Sunday as a regularly scheduled day from being mandated to work Sunday. You know, this is probably one of those contract provisions where even if the post office granted it, they would just violate it. Okay, yeah, we can't mandate you to work Sunday. You're mandated to work Sunday. Work it and file a grievance. And do with how weak our union has been on this stuff. They would just do it, and who cares? And then we'd get not even a cease and desist. Just management will comply. Okay, that's not really what I'm here to talk about. So that's the next thing. All right, next after that, create two overtime lists. One for carriers who desire overtime on each of their five scheduled work days, but not the non-scheduled day, and a second list for overtime only on their non-scheduled day. Well, so this would add even another nuance where eight hours every day, but I'll work my day off, or I'll work overtime every day, but not on my day off. That's the list I would get on. I really like having my days off. Next, provide credit on the pay schedule for time served as a CCA or former CCA. Man, that'd be great. And there's also a legislative component to this that um, it's possibly Congress could solve this issue. Uh, So I don't know if that can be done in the contract negotiation or not, but I'm reporting this list as I find it. Next, add significant other to the definition of bereavement leave. Dude, if you've been seeing the same person for a long time and that person dies, it would take a monster of a supervisor not to let you take time off for their funeral or their services or whatever. Unfortunately, those are the kind of supervisors we have. So this needs to be put into the contract. I'm completely for it. Not everybody gets actually married. And so this would help to cover that. And that'd be awesome. Next, sell back annual leave in the same manner as management. Um, Seems reasonable. If they can do it for management, why not for us? And, you know, the situation we have now is we're care. Well, actually, I don't even know how that works with selling back annual leave. Um, 
So I'll just move on. Next, include CCAs in Article 13. Yeah, fine. Or get rid of CCAs altogether, but that's a separate issue. Next, give priority consideration at Step B and arbitration to grievances relating to a transfer. This whole transfer process is ludicrous, how long it takes, how hard it is. You'd like to think that should be one of the fringe benefits of working for the post office. Because the post office is everywhere in the country, you could transfer and work pretty much anywhere in the country where there's work available. But man, do they make it hard, and it, it should not be. Next, employees placed into an emergency placement status will remain in a pay status. <laughs> Good luck with that one. You know, you get put in emergency placement because you did something crazy. Uh, They're not going to pay you for that. But maybe they will. You know, stuff that's like a safety issue, you're a threat to yourself. I don't know. I mean, there's an argument for it. And obviously our union, we'd like to think, will make that argument. That's, That's the point, right, of these negotiations. Next, CCAs to receive eight hours of administrative leave when a current or former president of the United States dies. Next one on the list is presumably Jimmy Carter, and uh, it seems reasonable that CCAs would get that uh, mourning, you know, that leave for a day of national mourning or whatever it is, uh, just like anybody else would. That would be that would be nice, even nicer if we got rid of CCAs altogether. But that's its own issue. Next, leave may be donated for any approved FMLA absence. Okay. All right, go for that one. Next, require the service to mail a yearly letter informing the carrier of their emergency contact as well as life insurance beneficiary and benefit amount. Yeah, a lot of carriers have no idea. Like you did that when you first signed up for the post office. And I don't remember who I was seeing at the time or what benefit I chose or, you know, whatever it is. So I don't see how that creates a harm to the post office to keep people informed on that stuff. And emergency contacts are obviously important. Hard to imagine the post office uh, resisting that, but I wouldn't put it past them. Next, uh, here's the big one. Eliminate table two of the pay schedule. And from what I've been hearing, I ain't exactly an insider, but from what I've been hearing, that is going to happen. And it's kind of academic anyway, because anybody who's on table one is already at the top of the pay chart. And so the two tier is kind of irrelevant at this point. Next, require use of the scanner to alert carriers of an emergency. Seems like a good use of that technology. Next, hire employees directly into career positions. Yeah, obviously that's the goal here, right? Completely eliminate CCAs. I know when I came in, I started directly as a PTF, and that was really nice. I get credit for all that time, and I was working toward my retirement. I was getting my career benefits already, and of course it makes it easier to hire quality candidates. Um, You know, with our pay our starting pay as low as it is compared to our competitors, compared to other jobs, it's getting tougher and tougher to get good candidates in the door and people who want to stay. And then the CCA system makes it even harder to get those people to stay. So obviously this would benefit the workforce. Hopefully management is farsighted enough to see that. I don't have a lot of faith in it, but there's very clear benefit to both labor and management. Next, Seek full and equal access to information and programs utilized in joint route adjustments. Yeah, that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Like, they're going to adjust our routes. We want to see what data they're using. Uh, that, that, that's a really good uh, resolution. I like that. 
Next, have the interior of postal vehicles cleaned at least once per month. Oh my God, that would be awesome. So on my own route, when I have a so-called undertime, that's one of the things I do. I take it to one of those pay and spray car washes and just spray out the inside. But most mail trucks are filthy on the inside and they don't get cleaned. And so this, yeah, this would be really nice. You know, if it wasn't our responsibility to clean, we don't wash the outside. Well, I don't know. I guess it's different around the country where I work. We have a company that comes and like sprays the outside of the truck just with water once a week uh, to keep the outside reasonably clean. But the insides, yeah, never get cleaned unless the carrier themselves does it. Next, increase the annual leave carryover and terminal leave limit to 520 hours. I don't see a lot of pushback on that one. But again, uh, just consider a general caveat that I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm not one of the negotiators. I'm not on the inside just kind of looking at these on a rational level, we've already increased the annual leave carryover and it doesn't seem like anything bad has happened. So we shall see. Next, we have general resolutions. And the first one is the NALC will advocate to maximize the number of electric NGDVs. That's the next generation delivery vehicle, the one with the big windshield for the fleet to be built by union labor and to expedite the delivery of the vehicles to the field. Yeah, no crap. Yeah, we want to hurry up and get the new trucks out there. And yeah, um, maximize the number of electric. Fine, that's great. Um, We all want to expedite the delivery of those vehicles to the field. Uh, Wanting it is not, doesn't seem to be enough to get the, um, to get the job done. Next, the Mutual Benefit Association will investigate adding a long-term care insurance policy. That would be awesome. Carriers definitely would benefit from something like that. And it's nice to have that Mutual Benefit Association where they're not taking a big profit out of the premiums that we put into it. Next, that letter carriers be afforded the opportunity to contribute to the NALC Disaster Relief Fund through bi-weekly payroll allotments. Cool. Uh, I got no problem with that. I think I'm kind of surprised that's not already a thing. Next, negotiate with the Department of Labor and the Office of Workers' Comp Policy to allow NALC members to formally continue their union membership while receiving workers' compensation. Yeah, I'm sure the union wants that so that they can keep getting their union dues. Um, I really don't know anything about this or how that works, so I'll just move on. Next, create an instructional route count and inspection video if and when returning to a unilateral route adjustment process. It's kind of crazy that the union doesn't do that already, that we don't have more emphasis put on training. Obviously, that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to get that training out there because it's a way that management is completely failing the carriers. And frankly, the union is too. I've gotten very little support, uh, except for lip service, on wanting more training for our carriers. So I took matters into my own hands. Next, that the NALC study the French system of checking in on the frail and elderly and seek to negotiate a similar service. I don't know if I'd want that added to my duties already, that I got to like knock on the door and see how that elderly person is doing. I mean, I guess, you know, as a human being, that is a nice thing to do. And I've certainly made... um, uh, what do you call those? Welfare checks on people. So it certainly benefits the community. And I guess anything that we can do that makes us more part of the community, more integral to the welfare of the nation as a whole, is probably a good thing. Next, 
to advocate and promote non-postal government services at local post offices. I'm definitely in favor of this one. I like, I love the idea of postal banking. Uh, I like the idea of the post office being like kind of an outlet for government services. And again, that makes us a more integral part of the national infrastructure. And that only helps us in the long term. Next, the NALC health benefit plan will seek to cover necessary travel expenses for plan members forced to travel to obtain access for covered reproductive health services. The NALC will work to prohibit infringements on federally protected rights, such as collective bargaining and health care benefits. Okay. Next, establish a, ta- a task force to study the feasibility of NALC or in collaboration with other unions, assisting Amazon delivery drivers in organizing a union. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Definitely Amazon needs to unionize, and um, anything we can do to support that seems like a reasonable, reasonable thing to do. You know, as far as committees go, I don't know how effective committees are generally, but it's better than nothing. Next, to advocate for Election Day to become a federal holiday, automatic voter registration, and to make voting by mail a right for all. I can see where the NALC would be interested in those things. Next, constitutional amendments. These are changes, amendments to the Constitution of the National Association of Letter Carriers. And the first one is entire Constitution. Edit the entire Constitution to eliminate all gender pronouns and other gender references throughout. Yeah, fine. Seems, uh, seems okay. I don't see why that couldn't happen. Next, Constitution for the Government of Subordinate and Federal Branches. Uh, Article 4, Section 1, it reads, added language. Oh, so this must be things that that actually have changes. Oh, that, yes, now we're not even talking about negotiating rights. Now this is just, or negotiating points. This is just stuff that went down resolutions at at the convention. But whatever, it's here, I might as well read them. So uh, here's a change to Article 4, Section 1 that says added language to create a mutual benefit association representative as an officer of the branch. Article 6, Section 1, add language to create a letter carrier political fund coordinator to the branch to be appointed by the president. And then finally, uh, Constitution and General Laws of the Mutual Benefit Association, General Laws, Law 3, Section 5 and 6, delete the sections which detail the procedure that a mutual benefit administration representative could be removed from office by the national chairperson of the board of trustees. Okay, I guess that was a problem and and now it's been addressed. So good for us, good for fixing that. All right, so that's everything. That's what the union is asking for according to what we all voted on or our representatives voted on at the national convention. What it does not say in there is like what percentage raise are we asking for? How much more of our health benefits is the management going to pay for? You know, stuff like that. That's all kept hush-hush. And again, I think the reason is because if we don't get a good deal, union leadership can still spin it and be like, oh, this is an awesome deal. So at a recent union meeting, uh, there were notes. uh, And we get a handout packet from our union leadership at my local. And there's notes in there of what they're going to talk about. And one of the notes that was like a rundown of the rap session said that we were looking for a 7% raise in this contract. 
Now, I wasn't at the rap session. I don't know how reliable that is, but I did ask about it on an NALC postal group with other people who went to their rap sessions, and they seemed to confirm that that was in the neighborhood of what we were looking for. 7% sure doesn't seem like very much, especially when, you know, over the life of the contract, so we're talking those 1.5% raises, just like we always get. And when you compare it to other... Wait a minute, I could have sworn... Did I read to you guys that we were looking for a full COLA, a, a cost of living adjustment, that wasn't just a percentage? Because, dude, I could have sworn I saw that, unless I skipped a page or something. Maybe I did. Maybe I skipped a page in there. All right, I'm going to pause this real quick while I make sure I didn't skip anything. Okay, I'm back. I checked. No, I didn't miss it. I have no idea where I saw that we would negotiate to get the full cola instead of a partial cola. But um, it's not in there. So I, I couldn't tell you where I saw that or or maybe I just dreamt it. So anyway, you know, that 7%, uh, who knows if even that's the right number. But that is in addition to the partial colas that we get. So all of those things added together would make for a bigger raise. I don't know. I don't know if that's satisfactory. This might be the first time I ever vote no on a contract. Although if it goes to arbitration, then as far as I understand it, we wouldn't even have a chance to vote no. We'll just get whatever the arbitrator gives us. So in any case, I hope this makes you a little bit more informed. There is an actual list of what Renfro is supposed to be bargaining for. And there's some give and take, which he is certainly not shy about talking about, that we ask for some things were more important or less important. And I get that the strategy on that is something to be held close to the vest. You don't necessarily want to tip your hand on what you're really trying to get, what's most important. You want to use leverage. And that's fine. Um, But obviously the more frustrating part is that they're not, more open about this whole process the whole thing whenever you just whenever you keep secrets from your own dues paying members it stinks so this is what information is out there and hopefully that um that makes us all a little bit better informed and if i hear anything else there will be future updates and certainly when the new contract comes out there will be an episode devoted specifically to that all right that's all i have for today take it easy guys i will catch you next time